it takes a lot of people to make it in life. And many times we find it's, it, you know, the going gets hard when people are no longer in our life and when we feel alone. And uh, so, man, moms and dads, you know, once I became a mom and dad, you just realize, you just realize, like, how the sacrifices that were made um, for, for yourself. And um, it's so important to be thankful. <laughs> My name's John. I'm the associate pastor here. And uh, I came about eight years ago in August, and uh, I have the privilege of sharing one last time with you. My wife, Heather, and I have accepted a, a job position in Aberdeen, and we're excited about it. We feel like it's the next uh, chapter for us, the next journey, um, but it's incredibly bittersweet. We, we feel the, the sting of leaving family. Um, so when I say this is a privilege and an honor, I really mean this is a great, great privilege that Pastor Tom and the board have given me just share what's on my heart regarding this topic of reaching the lost. What, what do I got to say about reaching the lost? Well, let's back up just a hair. How many of you guys ever have experienced, um, or you guys just can easily, quickly identify a pet peeve of yours? And you guys have just a pet peeve that like, it just is so aggravating. Well, let's look at this first picture. I don't know if you have ever experienced poor driving etiquette. Someone in, in this town, uh, I won't say who, but someone in this town doesn't drive the way Jesus would drive, right? They get it to the stop sign, you know, and obviously the person on your right is supposed to go first and then you follow suit. But how many times you come to a stop sign and you look at each other like, go, go. And they're kind of like doing this, no, go, go, you know. And so then you both go, er, and then you both stop and you're like, ah, you know, and then you start getting angry. That's what happens to me every time. It's just, I'm trying to, you know, yield. But let's go to the next one. What about this one? This has never, ever been a problem in my house. <laughs> Leaving the toilet seat up. Any of you guys ever leave the toilet seat up? Were you guys a victim or a, um, the one, a, yeah, the perpetrator or a victim of, of this? Boy, oh boy, I, um, I learned a lot of lessons and, um, I remember one time I went home for Christmas uh, to Montana, and uh, I, I was talked to about that. So I, I don't know if it's ever happened since then. I love my, my in-laws, but you, you don't want to do that. What about the next one? Let's go to the next one. Wait for it. You know what? It might not be up there. Oh, yeah, there it is. Okay. This is chewing with your mouth open. I mean, have you ever guys have like a sibling? I, I don't do this, but a sibling of mine does this. And uh, that's a joke. And, uh, and they're chewing something, and it's just super loud. And you don't want to be the guy to tell the person to your left or to your right, you know, like, I am going to end you if you don't stop smacking. <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm saying? The frustration of smacking is terrible. Do you know what my, my, my greatest pet peeve is uh, by far? Hands down every time. I... I I get so offended at this. I just instantly, I go from a zero to a 10, and everyone knows it. And I, God, have mercy on me. But really, this is the truth. It truly is losing something. If I lose something, I actually think that that thing that was lost did it on purpose. Like, you lost yourself on purpose, and now I'm angry. And one time, I lost my motorcycle key. I'm sure I've shared this story with you, but one time, I lost my motorcycle key, and I, I have never looked for something like I looked for that. I looked everywhere. I looked high and low. Uh, how graphic do I get? 
okay, I better not go there. I, I was opening trash. I was opening trash just like looking in garbage. Like where could it be? And uh, I remember um, some of the neighbor kids were, they're just sweet kids. And they were getting on and off my motorcycle. I leave it out on the street sometimes. And uh, I remember they were getting on and off. Well, one day I realized like I think they have. I think they have my motorcycle key. So I went over there, I, I humbled myself, I knocked on the door, and I was just like, hey, you know, I know, like, we're all just hanging out, and you probably didn't mean anything by it, but do you happen to have my motorcycle key? Sure enough, they had it. And um, nothing ill intent, we've hung out before, nothing ill intent, they just, children, you know, they, were, they picked it up and took it. And, um, and all through that process, as I'm going through the trash, as I'm going through the neighbors, as I'm knocking, as I'm searching, and all of that anger and pain that I felt, the loss, God just whispered to me, he's like, that's my greatest pet peeve too. I hate losing things. And specifically, I hate losing people. Losing people to God, he takes so personal. Because every person that he creates, he actually creates with eternity in mind, heaven in mind, not hell in mind, heaven in mind. And, um, and it, every time that I lose something now, I can't ever get away from that whisper. I can't ever get away from the fact like, man, I want this motorcycle key, but do I want it more than I want someone who is lost? So let's, let's look at this the opposite. We all, have, we all have pet peeves. So now let's look at some passions, pet peeves and passions. Some of our, pa well, actually, let's, let's go to the next slide really quick. These are our core values of our church. Reach the lost, equip the saints, abide in Christ, plant churches, and serve others. These are the five things that we've identified as leaders like and if we are doing these things, we feel like we're doing what God wants us to be doing. Now, here's the thing. Just because they're on a wall doesn't mean we're doing them. Um, but just because they're on a wall doesn't mean that we're not doing them. We are doing our very best um, that the decisions that our church makes, it's, in with, it's um, within the context of these things. So if you say, hey, I think we should do this or I think we should do that, what we do is we look, well, where, where does that fit in here? And if it fits in here, that's what we, we're just excited about. So you want to like, hey, let's, let's, um, throw a, let's throw a meal for everyone in the city, you know, down at Campbell Park. Yep, reach the lost. We want to, anyone who might not know Jesus, we want to do that. That's what I mean. These core values of ours are so, um, are so the center of who we are and what we're all about. So some of our passions, pet peeves and passions, look at that first image for passions. How many of you guys have a passion for firearms? Do you like to break them down? I've heard this explained like, um, you know, everyone's nervous to put their hands up. I don't like guns. Uh, <laughs> I like firearms. I think they're pretty cool, um, obviously responsibly. But they're, I've heard them described as um, adult um, Legos is kind of how that you can interchange them. They're just like Legos. You can take parts off of them and put them on. They're super fun to play with. Let's go to the next one. What about you? What about sports? Any of you guys like sports diehards? When sports come on, like the boys are over or the gals are over, you know, the Red Bulls come out and it's just like, yeah, unashamed, painted chest, painted face, you know, that kind of a thing. Yeah. Um, let's go to the next one. Uh, shopping and fashion, right? Uh, I didn't know what to put here. Uh, shopping and fashion, you know, um, that's not my passion. I, uh, I, I just, I just. Say, Heather, here's the card, and uh, you know how much we have in our account. So, you know, it, it's, it's super fun. Let's go to the next one. 
Let's go to the next one. Okay, how many of you guys are foodies in here? You guys know Yelp. You guys know how to make the best foods. You have a dish. When your friends come over, you're like, we're making that dish. It's like, well, why can't we have that tonight? Nope, that's only for special people, kids, you know. <laughs> I have a few of those, um, but they're, they're spicy. All right, let's go to the next one. All right, politics, right? Oh, man, everyone's hand goes down for this one. I'm not passionate about that. Well, yeah, I think... I think to a degree, all of us have passions towards poli politics. I mean, <laughs> if we check our Facebook accounts, there's probably at some point a level of political uh, influence or posting. And politics can be great, and they can also be used as a weapon. So just like any of these things. Let's go to the next one. Human rights. This is something that Gen Z and the millennials are super into right now. Uh, people are super huge advocates. They want people's voice to be heard. And uh, it's, it's, uh, it's amazing. I mean, if you've ever been in a, you know, w you know, if you've ever been in one of these movements, there's energy, high energy. And it's, imagine what would happen if they were in movement for Jesus. What would happen? You know, what, what could happen to a region? And the last one, let's go, um, are you passionate about relationships? You know, whether it's a boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, kids, friends, grandpa, grandma, wh whoever, like, is your thing relationships. I'm not good at anything. I don't like to do anything, but man, if I could have friends with me, like good to go. You know, all of us have passions. And I believe that a major passion, the, one of the greatest passions that God is going after right now is reaching the lost. And the, and the primary reason of that is because on this side of heaven is the only time that we'll be, he'll be able to, to make that a reality is going after lost people. So when we talk about lost people, we're not talking about horrible, terrible people. What we're talking, when I say being lost, if you are lost, um, all it means is that Jesus is not Lord of your life. And that's, that might be an oversimplification of the word, but lost is very, very, um, like, we're going to talk about it, but God loves, adores, is after lost people. It's not that them versus us. And that's, that's the mission. That's our heart. And so if you're lost today, if Jesus is not Lord of your life, it just means he's not calling the shots. When, when he said, when, you know, you want to make a move, you want to find a spouse, you want to get a job, you want to do this or that. If you're, if you're not taking that to him, if he's not the center of your decisions, then he's not Lord of your life. And thus, we are lost. So it's not just the decisions. It's a, we're going to talk about it too. It's putting faith in Christ. But I think it's beneficial for all of us to just look inward and just say, how am I doing? Where am I at? Where am I at in this process? The reason why the core value of restoration is reach the loss, re reach the loss is a core value, is because it's the same um, core value of Jesus. Let's look at the very first verse. Jesus is surrounding himself with, um, uh, uh, he's, at, he's, at a, he's actually at a table, and he's having a meal. And he's at a table with a tax collector, and his name was Matthew. And two, there's two strikes against tax collectors of the time. They were working for the government, anti-Israel, and they were stealing money from the Israelites, money um, to, to land their own pockets. And so Matthew invited Jesus, come into my home, eat with me. And the religious people were like, uh, you do that, that's basically saying you give approval to that behavior. You're, you're giving approval to this enemy of Israel, and you're giving approval to this thief, really, this person who's stealing. So Jesus goes in, he has a meal with uh, Zacchaeus, and after 
Zacchaeus encounters Jesus, the real Jesus, he says, wow, I'm going to undo all that I've done wrong. I, I have to. There's no other response. And then Jesus says, wow, salvation has come to your house today. And then Jesus says, the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. That word lost, if you actually look at the actual Greek as it was penned out, the Greek meaning of that word is actually apollomi, and it means literally to destroy. So think about this. He's, he's come to seek and save those who were destroyed. And so as, as we talk about being lost, we're going to talk about how that plays into this. Adam and Eve's greatest privilege that they ever had, first humans that walked the planet, the greatest privilege that they ever had was being called a son or a daughter of God. And it was lost and destroyed. Remember that Greek word it says to destroy? Their relationship, the moment they, they ate, their relationship was utterly destroyed. It was cut off. And so we're going to talk about that. What is the greatest privilege? The greatest privilege that any human can have is not a chance to speak in front of family or a job offer or a spouse that you could marry or what your kids are going to do in the future. No. The greatest privilege that you will ever experience in your life is to be called a child of God. Because when you're a child of God, you're exchanging death for life. That's, that's the exchange. And in um, God's intent, when he created Adam and Eve, it wasn't just like this. Let's like God wanted a pet. It wasn't, it wasn't that mindset of like, I, I need something to do. It was, it was masterful. It was brilliant. And God's intent has always been to remain in love with humans. And for humans then to trust him to establish the things that God wants to get done on the earth. And the very first assignments were basically manage creation. Manage it well. Multiply yourself. Go out. And remember, the enemy is already on the earth. He's already, he's already on the earth roaming. God walked with Adam and Eve. They had a deep relationship. Deep, deep relationship. And what that means is they had peace. When they went to bed at night, if they ever had to go to bed at night, they never experienced worry. They never experienced anxiety. They never experienced like, what am I going to do? I can't make ends meet. Always had enough. Always what God wanted for them. Righteousness. They always felt clean. There was never shame involved. There was never hiding involved. It was always in the open. That's actually the reason why they were naked. It's because they felt nothing, no shame whatsoever. The, the last thing, oh, not the last thing, but another thing that they experienced was joy. They were just absolutely uh, content in God. Everything that, that God said to them, they, they fully embraced as truth and reality. And the last thing that, one of the last things that they had was authority. They had authority to reign over the, the world. And if you just think logically, I mean, once they start having kids and they start having kids and they start having kids, how many tens of thousands of years before the fall would they have lived before that garden had expanded? Because there's, there's, more, there's more people, thus there's more garden to manage. And when you expand that garden like that, naturally it pushes back the boundary on the outside of the garden, which is where the enemy was. Does that make sense? So here's the thing. They have this incredible peace, joy, righteousness. They're all about authority. They're growing. They're, they're doing all the right things. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 16, the devil comes to Eve and tempts her and then in turn um, hands it to Adam and he fully disobeys. 
Genesis 2.16, it says this, that the Lord commanded the man, saying, From any tree of the garden you may freely eat, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. On the day that you eat from it, you will certainly die. That day, the moment they took that, the found became lost. They were always found. The, the found became lost. That's the transaction happening. I'm going to disobey you. Your thoughts don't matter. I'm going to do what I want to do, God. I'm going to do it. So now, the found, Adam and Eve, never sinned, experienced all of the good, said, I'm going to exchange it for death. I'm going to become lost now. And so they were alive. Now they're dead. Did their bodies die? No. What, what was dead? Well, I'm going to talk about spirit and soul. In this, in this conversation, they're going to be simultaneous. They're, the, they're one and the same. It's the, the, the person that lives forever, okay? Your spirit is the part right now that is living, and it will live forever somewhere. And in heaven or in hell, it's going to live. But, but if you are not in relationship with God, the Bible actually says that you're utterly destroyed. You're cut off. You're lost. You're separated from God. That's not his heart. His heart is to restore every human being. God plays no favorites. He never has, and he never will. Every human being on the planet, he wants to bring into his family. Your worst enemy, your meanest boss, the, the, the rude waitress, every person, our president, previous president, all of politics, every, every person that might get a rise, any group that might get a rise out of you, his intent, even right now, is... How do I get them found? How do I get them found? And if we remember that every day when we wake up and we remember that, my job is not to act as judge. My, my job is not to act as God. My job is to act as someone who finds the thing that God is most passionate about. That's what his, that's what his job, that's what our job is. And so... So that day, their spirit, the part that lives forever, they ate, they were literally, utterly destroyed from life. And so now, there needed to be a redemption plan. And thankfully, God is so good that he provided a restoration process for for all of us now, because we're all born into this fallen world. He's provided a restoration process for all of us, and he did it before he created creation. It's amazing the, 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 just amazing how awesome God is, is that he would do that for us. I want to talk about two things. There's progress and process. Progress and process. And it, in, in, at Restoration Church, we believe in both. We believe that God wants progress. It values production. It values moving forward. Uh, think about, like, forward movement, I should say. Think about, like, a car production. You know, if, if you went into... Um, if you went into a, a factory and there's there, if there's different stations and to each station there's another thing that you do. You go to the next station, there's another thing that you do. And it, at the end result, it's going to be this shiny brand new car that's going off into the showroom. That's production. And that's that's progress in our in our walk with the Lord. That's great. That's that's and then there's process. Now process, it values patience and mercy way more than it does progress. Both are valuable. And so let me give you an example of a process. Think about one day in the life of a toddler. When they wake up, 
man, they, maybe I'll start with my, my own child. When my son wakes up, the first thing he's doing is crying. He's like, I don't know what's wrong with me, but I want mom. And he is not happy. So the first thing I go up there, I, I get him, bring him down. I might um, feed him, whatever, change his diaper. And then guess what? He's nice and content. Oh, man, he's your best friend. He'll you know, play tickle fight with you. He'll play hide and seek with you. He just he is such a little wild man. I love him. But then what happens right about 11.59, around lunchtime, he just gets angry. And he's like, I'm not happy, and I'm not your friend anymore, and I want food. And so he gets angry just all over again. And then, you know, uh, I've already said it, but and, and then, you know, around right before bed, he decides, you know, I think I need to use the restroom. So then he fills his diaper, and he is angry. And he's angry until he gets that thing off. He's like, oh, this thing, it, it hurts. I want it off. I want to go to bed. And he's screaming, and it's chaos. It's like chaos. It's like someone, like, physically hurt him. I mean, he's screaming like that. I'm sure none of the way, you know, you guys parent is, you know, it's not like that for you guys. But for us, it's... It's real life, and it's crazy. It's, it drives me nuts sometimes. I just don't even know what to do. So you change him, and then it's all good again. So you get to the end of the day, and you put him down, whatever. And, um, and normally you try to put him down when he's you know, not screaming and crying. At the end of the day, you just kind of sit there, and you think, like, every part of today was valuable. It was all part of the process needed to get him to where he's at now. If, if I yelled at him because he filled his diaper, or if I yelled at him because he's hungry and he doesn't stop screaming, that shows me what kind of parent I am. I want you to progress. I don't, I don't really care about this process. And it's so important as the church that we understand the two. Because sometimes what we do is we look out into the world and we say, we don't see progress What's wrong with you, world? You're, you're messing up my world, my future for my grandkids. The world is messed up. And it, I, I don't know if you know this, but if you were left to yourself, like, the world would be messed up. I'm messed up. Without Jesus, if, I, if you just left me by myself, every terrible, heinous thing you could imagine, I would be doing if you left me by myself. And so would you. Because sin is rampant. And that flesh tries to come out, and he tries to take over. And when we give our lives to Jesus, we say, Jesus, take over. Like, I want you, I, I, the way that you would handle the situation now, that's the way I want to handle it. When I mess up, I don't want to hide anymore. I want to I love now. I want to do what's right. I want to keep everything in the open. And that's the first thing that Adam and Eve did when they sinned is they hid. They, they felt shame. They tried covering up right away. They were like, oh, I don't like this anymore. I feel shame. I feel guilt. Hiding all of that, if, if, you're, if you know, you're talking with someone and they're asking how you're doing, if you're hiding things, man, just get it out in the open. The moment you put things out into the open, sin loses power over you. As Christians, if, if, you're, if you're dealing with a struggle, whatever it may be, an addiction, um, you know, thoughts, even if it's not sinful, even if it's like suicidal thoughts or anxious thoughts, you know, um, temp tempting thoughts, lustful thoughts, you know, towards the same sex, opposite sex, whatever. I mean, like, whatever it is, get it in the light. Like, you, you can't surprise God. 
I can't surprise God by what passes through the mind. But when we start acting on the things, these temptations or these sinful things that we want to do, that's where the problem happens is we're, we try to keep face and like, no, I don't deal with that. I don't struggle with that. The reality is we all have a vice that we're still kicking, whether it be anger, whether it be lust, whether it be name it. We all have something we're, we're trying to kick and there's no shame in it because if you keep it in the light, it loses power. It doesn't hold, it doesn't leverage against you. You know, when you're fighting alone, you're going to lose. When you fight with a family, you're going to win. So process versus progress. Jesus, Jesus was amazing at this. He hung out with both people. He, he loved the idea of progress. He wants to see us be completed until we're into this amazing man and get to heaven. We're going to be complete. But in the moment, we're all in process. And Jesus was so good about being someone who was okay loving people who are in process so jesus hung out you know we we hear a lot of times that jesus hung out with a lot of lost people but jesus would hang out with anyone who would invite him so let's go to luke chapter 7 verse 36 this is just one verse jesus is actually invited over for supper by a religious leader everyone thinks that he's against them he's not but he struggles because the religious leaders are the ones who are supposed to be translating the love of the father to the world so many times he's frustrated, but in, as far as the way that he interacts with people, when he gets invited, he goes. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. This isn't the only time. Jesus hung out with Nicodemus at night to ask all of his questions, anything that he wanted to know. We're going to pick up our story today. We're going we're gonna to talk. Jesus is in this, he's in this circle with um, lost people, people that don't have Jesus as Lord. And then he's in a circle with religious people. And religious just meaning like they, you know, attend church, they read the Bible, you know, they do religious things. Whether they're saved or unsaved, you know, found or lost. He's in this circle of both, okay? And so let's read Luke 15, 1 through 2. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. So you got to remember this, this cultural norm, the reason why it was so offensive to the religious people was because of the law. It, you weren't allowed to associate yourself. You can't be around sin. You can't touch lepers. You can't be around things that were, were, were wrong to do. And so they, they started treating their lives as a rule book. Well, are you doing this? Yes. Are you doing this? No, I would never do that. Are you doing this? Yes. Are you do and they're starting to lose the heart behind the law. And it was to show mercy, to, to be kind, to be slow to anger. That was the whole point. In fact, you know, the, the, the passage about, you know, all of the, the law can be summed up into two commands, to love God and love people. So it's interesting that they are so totally zeroed in on, well, you're doing that wrong, you're doing that wrong, you're doing that wrong, you're doing that wrong. And you know what happens when you do that to people? There's no encouragement to want to change. If you did that to your spouse, there's nothing good that's going to come of that. If she did that to you, nothing good's going to change. If you just sit there with a clipboard and you say, you did this wrong, you did this wrong, you did this, it's not going to help. Why? Because rules were never made 
to make us change. The kindness of God leads us to want to change. The kindness of God actually makes us want to repent. And so when you're kind, when someone's mean, that makes them realize, wow, I don't know why I did that. I shouldn't have done that. The frustrating part is when they don't have that attitude. It's when they even dig their heels in more and they get more frustrated. You know, some people just feel like they're not heard. Some people just feel like you don't care about them, that I don't care about them. But it's so important that when someone, that someone says something, holds up a sign, whatever it is, that you don't disagree with or that, that you do disagree with, um, maybe God disagrees with it too. But don't throw it out without actually first feeling what they're feeling. And what I mean by that is just that it's so easy to already be responding with, well, the Bible says this. It's, all, it's so easy to do this even for me. Well, the Bible says this, so that's why that's wrong. Instead of like, okay, tell me your story. Why does that hurt so much? I mean, <laughs> I was just talking with another Christian, um, and he is, um, he's, he's someone that um, uh, doesn't have his paperwork right now. And basically is expressing just gratitude. Like, I'm so thankful for our presidential administration right now, for what he's doing for our people. And in that moment, um, you know, wherever you land on that coin, that, that coin it, it, that's not the point. The point is, is I'm, I'm, I sat there with him, and I just realized, while everything, all of my beliefs are already determined, I'm not trying to hear, he was, he was crying in front of me crying at the table and I'm just like yeah well this and that yeah well this and that yeah well this and that and this is the problem and yep and the future and this and that that's what we want to do but before you do just just ask God for help to feel what they're feeling because I don't think God is asking us to be silent about our beliefs I don't think that at all in fact I think I think there's a healthy way to hold up a sign to, do, to, to love much in the things that you feel God's telling you to advocate for. I really believe that. But I think that we just have to be careful to the degree in which we're willing to attack a person. Because what we're talking about today, when we say the lost, we're not talking about just like so God can feel better about himself in heaven with a bigger population. We're talking about moms and dads, kids, grandpas and grandmas, many people that are living and dying and they'll never, ever experience life. We're talking about souls. We're talking about ones that will live forever beyond this life. If life is hard for, for you right now, not to sound insensitive, life is hard for all of us right now. There's elements of our life that are tricky, whether it be financial, emotional, whatever it is. God wants us to feel. And think about this. Jesus is hanging out with, with religious people, and he's hanging out with lost people. Where we get a little bit, you know, let me back up. In this book, The Prodigal God, Timothy Keller writes about the prodigal son. And that's a traditional uh, parable that Jesus talks about. But he, he proposes an idea that maybe both sons are lost. Maybe the elder brother in the story and the younger brother in the story are lost. And so Jesus is is talking with this group, and again, Jesus is being accused, man, you're associating with them, you know, and Jesus is just like, just sitting there trying to express, 
express what's in the Bible, showing mercy to these people, understanding these people are in process. You know, if, if, um, if, if salvation was three steps, you're lost, you make a decision, then you're found, it'd be much easier to be black and white. But sometimes, um, sometimes process could look like a thousand steps to God. You know, wow, I'm going to have this person find them at college, and they're going to plant a seed. Then they're going to go to a Bible study. And then they're going to go hang out at Sunday school. And then they're going to meet this random person on the bench reading a book about the God. And then they're, and so there's this process. And then all of a sudden, the, this realization comes like, maybe God's real. So at what point of the process did God value them more? Um, sometimes we get offended at people that are super like loud about their defiance towards God. I hate you, God, and you know what? I love death, and I love this, and I, and, and we, we get anxious about people like that because we feel like, man, they don't even want to be found. Well, guess what? God wants them found. God wants them found more than they want to be found because they don't know what that means. The Bible says that people don't even know who Christians are because they didn't recognize Jesus himself while he was here. So, so it's so important um, to have a, a, a level-headed, level mind of, of when we were talking about lost people. People that don't know Jesus, it's so important that we see them as people that God wants to find. Because if we don't, then we're, we're going to rise up in the place of God and we're going to say, judgment on you, doom on you, judgment on you. And God's judgment is coming to you in your house. God always, judgment came to Jesus. That was the whole point of Jesus being brutally killed for my sin and their sin. That was the whole point. So judgment came. So now the only assignment Jesus is on is reaching the lost. And the beauty of it all, the way that he's doing that is through you and me. So how important is it for us to renew our minds in the thoughts that Jesus has towards these people? They're the precious ones. They're the sought ones. They're not the lost ones. They're the sought ones. They're the ones that Jesus is going after recklessly. And so let's read about this story about two brothers, lost brother and a, well, there are two lost brothers, a younger brother and an elder brother. Luke chapter 15, verse 13. Um, the elder brother, I'm not going to read it quite yet. The elder brother works for his dad to get what he wants. The reason why the older brother might be lost in the story is because he's working to get what he wants. And we're going to read about that. And the younger brother is lost because he's just... He just says, Dad, I want half your inheritance, and I'm out of here. I'm going to go blow it on everything that is fun. And so, so this is where we are in the story. He's, give, he's given him the money, and uh, Luke 15, 13, it says this. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had. He set off for a distant country and then squandered his wealth in wild living. At that time, his money ran out. A great famine swept over the land, and he, he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him. And the man sent him into fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. But no one gave him anything. Interesting, Jesus is talking. And maybe he paused just like that. And then he looked at the religious leaders. said, and no one gave them anything. Maybe he did. I don't know. Maybe he just kept on, like, telling the story. But I, I think that he, he, he did. I personally do. Because Jesus is always trying to, to get someone to take a step, a step towards growth, a store, step towards, you know what, I don't want to stay where I'm at today. 
And these religious people are there, and they're frustrated. Why are you associating with these people? And Jesus is sharing the story. He's like, he's, he's like, well, there was a man, and he went out, and he did a lot of dumb things, and then he began to starve. And he maybe looks over at them. And then he's like, and he's feeding, and, and he wants to eat what the pigs are eating. And he stops, and he looks, and no one gave him anything to eat. It's interesting how quick we are to get to the point of the story instead of just stop and realize, like, wow, this guy was in really rough shape. And some of your personalities, like mine, we tend to gravitate towards the younger brother. We, man, like, whoa, you're hurting? Man, I want to, like, I want to be, like, I want to help you. And then, and then we're going to get to this part of the story where there's elder brothers. And, and it's harder for my personality to love elder brothers the way that Christ loves them. Sometimes we meet people who are in process, and they're living wildly. They're out, they're spending their inheritance, they've robbed a bank, they're sleeping around, they're getting drunk, they're, get, they're shooting up. They're doing everything you can imagine, and they're proud about it. They got the badge, they got the tattoo to prove it. Sometimes people are in process that God is going after. And if we're quick to just take a quick glance and be like, why are you associating with that? My goodness. Sometimes... We meet them when they're beginning to starve. Sometimes we meet them when they're in a desperate scenario. And the only reason why they're acting out is because Jesus has, they're not found yet. They're still doing what feels right. Verse 17, when he finally came to his senses. So he's out there, he's feeding these pigs, and he's like, I'm going to eat this corn on the cob, like with the pigs. When he finally comes to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I'm dying of hunger. I know what to do. I'll go home to my father and say, Father, I've sinned against heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father. I wonder if the father was angry. I mean, think about it. Your own child. Hey, Dad, I want half of what you've got. Give it to me now. It's like saying, I would... Be content if you were gone. Give me half of what you have, and I'm out of here. And word makes it back to the father. It doesn't say that in the Bible. Word makes it back to the father. He's blown it all on wild living. Do you think the father was ever angry? Maybe, maybe not. Was he hurt? Was he sympathetic? Was he sad? Probably. So think about that. As people frustrate us, is God angry? Is he? I mean, is he, is he angry at people? Or is he sympathetic? Is he compassionate? Is he realizing, wow, you're in process. And I'm, I'm thankful God saved me. I'm glad that God found me because I was in desperate need of, of saving. I was in desperate need to get into God's hands, to be ultimately to be processed. This is how it went. In verse 16, the father sees the son coming home. While he was a long way off, his father saw him and filled with compassion for him, he ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet. Bring the, the fattened calf and kill it. 
the juiciest one with the most meat. Let's have a feast and celebrate it. For the son of mine was dead. Adam and Eve. Let's go back there. This, these, this son and daughter of mine were dead, but now they're alive again. He was lost, and now he is found. So they began to celebrate. See, the things that we celebrate determine our values. The things that you're celebrating, the things that get you fired up and you, you give an, a, a shout yes to are the things that truly prove what are your values. God, Jesus shares three parables, or two parables before this, three total. A parable about a lost sheep, a lost coin, and now this lost son. And, and every single one of them at the end of it, it always ends in celebration. It's always, come celebrate with me. Please celebrate with me. Jesus is showing us, Jesus is showing us the, the, the things that we celebrate show us our values. Imagine the son being home and the older brother coming in. He hasn't left. He's been in the field slaving. He's been working hard. Imagine the amount of loss that their estate had. Not just materially, but like their reputation. Wow, your son was the one, right, that was like overseas and doing all that stuff? Yeah, that was my brother. So let's read in verse 25. The older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him, what's going on? Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has, has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry. Man, that ticks me off. Ah. And he refused to even go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look at all these years I've been slaving for you and, you, and never disobeyed your orders. So you can see this, this attitude that this older brother has. Dad, I'm, I'm working for you and you've never done what I've, I've wanted you to do for me. He's working to get something out of it. How many times do we do this as, as Christians? God, I'm going to go to church so that when my, person, my, my family member gets sick, you better heal them. And if you don't, I'm walking away. God, I'm going to church and I'm, I'm giving, but man, if I'm tithing and the money's not there, God, I'm not going to just stop tithing. I'm going to stop doing all of that because you know what? You're not for me. I'm doing this for you, but you're not doing this for me. And sometimes we find ourselves like an elder brother where we're, I'm slaving in these fields, God. What are you doing for me? Sometimes we have this attitude that the elder brother has. And it's, be it's beautiful because, remember, the crowd Jesus is in. He's talking to this elder brother, the religious leaders, and the younger brother, the lost people. And, and he's, he's paralleling them. And it's, be it's beautiful because he doesn't actually tell us the end of the story. It says, his father went out, pleaded with them, but he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you, you never, and never disobeyed your orders, yet you've never even given me a goat that I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours has squandered your property with prostitutes, come home, you've killed a fattened calf for him. The, the thoughts of the elder brother, how long till this younger brother just does it again? How long, dad? He's going to ask you again. He's angry. The question that I have is when did the father start showing mercy in this story? Was it 
when he came home and he saw him? Was it after the feelings came at the party and he was like, yeah, I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to be kind. I think, I think he started showing mercy the day that his son came to him and said, dad, I want half of what you're worth. And, and I just want the money. See, this father was showing mercy even as his son was running away from him. It's so important, guys, that we don't show mercy when someone has said just a prayer. God, forgive me, I'm, I've done something wrong. Please make, I don't mean to make light of that, but sometimes we as Christians think that well, until you're in our club, then, then we'll come alongside you and show your mercy. Show mercy now. Lost people don't, don't know right from wrong. The reason is not because of them. It's because sin actually blinds them. It, 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 sin actually makes you think that this is right. Instead, this is right. And one of the greatest ways to know you're saved is, is when, you know, before you were saved, um, you tried to get away with everything. You hid everything. You, you always twisted something. The moment you become found, you, Jesus finds you. You give your life to Jesus. You don't want to stay hidden anymore. You want to say, God, like, I don't want this. Please pray for me. I'm, I want to be in you now. And so your, your desires shift entirely. It's hiding, Adam and Eve. Now it's found, like the lost son. Dad, this is what I did. I'm sorry. Come on in. At the end of the story, Luke chapter 15, verse 31, it says, the father said, told, tells the older brother, you're with me. Everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate because this brother of yours was dead and is alive as he is alive again. He was lost and is found. The question that I have for you is what is your greatest passion? What's your greatest value? Because if the elder brother had the greatest, if, if the elder brother's passions and values were lined up with the father's, it would have looked like a different party. Instead, Jesus ends this with a question mark. Did he come into the party and celebrate? Or did he just stay outside and pout? I can't stand lost people. Look what they're doing out there in D.C. Look what they're doing in my school systems. Look what they're doing. And they're making life hard for me and my kids. And they're making it hard for me and my grandkids. God's on the throne. If you're in Christ, you're a winner. There's no need to shift the attitude towards anger. Yes, stand up, be all in. God put something on your heart, hold up a sign. Do whatever God tells you to do, honestly. But make sure that your heart, it's, it's so hard to stay angry at someone and to love them at the same time. Try to do it with your spouse. It's like, yeah, we are going to go to dinner. Yep, and I did get us a date. Yep, like, well, we're doing the right thing, but man, I'm angry. You know what I'm saying? It's impossible to reach someone that you hate, that you're angry with. Oh, man, if you're, you know what, you're loud and proud. All it takes is 10 seconds in the presence of God. And, and they, the light comes on, not because of clever words, but because the power of the Spirit convinces them, wow, the way that I'm living is not right. I have to give my life to Jesus. The way that he, the, the way that is right to a man leads to death, but the way that is right to God leads to life every time. So if you're lost, if Jesus isn't Lord of your life, if he's not, if you're not allowing him to call the shots in your life, um, the only thing that, the only benefit that you um, get on this side of, 
on this side of heaven is you get to call the shots for about 100 years. You can do whatever you want for 100 years. You'll probably be um, happy sometimes of it, but you won't be joy-filled. You won't be peace-filled. You won't be righteousness-filled. He's, he's not going to speak over you and say, wow, you're, you're innocent, you're clean, you're good to go. God wants your life to matter. He has eternity written on your life, and he only created you um, with heaven in mind. I think we all can get better at becoming people who value process as much as God values process. God is not offended like we get. God is in it for the long game. And if, truthfully, if, if a thousand years is like a day to God, and he has that vantage point, he can see that, well, I think we should just make sure that our hearts aren't looking at, like, oh, man, something was posted. I'm angry. Ah, I don't know what to do. Just trust. God, is, God has this. In closing, I just want to say we have all messed up. We've all, if you're out there and you're lost, you have not put faith in Christ. Um, I grew up going to church. I did all the right things. Um, but somehow I just never had a relationship with God. I, I was always in hiding, always. And when you're in hiding, you always become a liar. Did you know that God doesn't want that for your life? That God actually wants you to be able to lay your head down on your pillow and just feel peace like there's chaos all around me. It's virus, politics, um, just, just so many different things that are, you know. But God wants you to just be able to lay down your head on your pillow in peace. You don't have to worry. In the Bible, it says that, in the, that all of the hurt, all of the, the struggle, all of the suffering that we're experiencing now is nothing that will be compared to the glory that we experience if you're found. God wants you to be found. And he's a good God. And if he says no to something, the only reason why God would say no to you is because he's protecting you. That's the only reason. Because God wants what's best for you more than what you want what's best for you. So in just, just in response here, I, um, I gave my life to Jesus at a summer camp. I said, Jesus, if you're real, I'm involved in all this stuff I shouldn't be doing. I'm a liar. I've, hi I've hidden all these years. But if you're real, would you please just clean me, clean my heart? And I remember going to the altar, and I was so just done with myself. I was just so done. I was so done of hiding. And the stuff that I was involved in, I was, I was hiding a lot of details, and I, nobody had found out about anything. And you know, you know what the beauty of is? I went to the altar, and I said, God, if you're real, come into my life. And you know what happened? As a teenager, I went home to my mom and dad, who are strong believers. I grew up, I grew up hearing them pray. They were in the word all the time. I, I went home from summer camp years of lying, years of hiding, never been caught, and I went and sat down with my mom and dad, and I started just opening up, sharing my heart. This is what happened to me. I've been lying for almost a decade, and this is not me anymore. What was I doing? I was putting sin in the light, and sin lost all of its power on me. So now I have people that I love and trust reaching out to me. Hey, how are you doing with that? How are you doing with that? And I'm struggling. Or you know what? Today, I'm winning. 
if you have never given your life to Jesus, God wants you to have peace, joy, and righteousness today. Today is the day that you get to go to bed. And the bad dreams and the addictions and everything else, they're going to start falling off right now. If that's, if that's something that you want to do, um, I want you to just raise your hand. If you would love to, to make sure that your soul is clean, you don't have to worry. And, and if you're online too, you can just raise your hand. And you're not raising it for me. I'm just like you. I'm messed up, but I, I said, Jesus, I'm done with myself. I'm just done. So if you're online, you, you're watching, you can raise your hands. You say, Jesus, thank you that you actually like me. Thank you that you love me. Thank you that you've never. You've never given up on me. I've been out here doing my own thing. doing my own thing for so many years, pretending, trying to get likes on online social media. I've been trying to look the part, but I'm so just broken. Would you please, Jesus, forgive me for the wrong things that I've done. Would you come into my life? Would you start a new story in me? Would you bring, would you bring people that love you around me? Just thank you, God, for your kindness. Thank you that when I was mean to you, you weren't mean back. And I thank you, God, that you're changing me. I don't have to stay this way. And from this day on, for every person that raised their hand, God is writing your actual name in a book. And he said, there's a day coming that you are going to stand before him, and he's going to open the books he's going to find your name and he's going to say today was the day that you made that choice and restoration church we celebrate you would you just would you just clap with me if if you made that decision today please find someone and tell them about it uh, we can't do this alone you try to do it alone you will burn you will die it was not going to go well for you. I had to get around people that loved me. But Jesus today calls you in his temple. And he says, bring a ring. Bring sandals. Yeah. So, everyone else, if you want to take one step towards reaching the lost, just get in the prayer room. You can't want what God wants more than he wants it. Just get with him. And he will make it happen. Thank you, Jesus, for our Kidman leaders. Lord, we bless them. Thank you for watching them. God, we, we, we bless them, and um, we bless every person, God, that has said yes to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Then I want to just challenge you again. If, if you raise your hand in this room um, or online, I would encourage you find someone before you leave this place. If you can't find someone else, find Pastor John, myself, one of our hosts, and let them know about the decision you made today. And uh, we'd love to help you on that journey and take the next step in that. And uh, what a challenging word for us. Uh, Jesus was a master at accepting people and valuing them even when he didn't approve of their behavior. And that's a challenge for us in this world. And so I hope you take some of those things to heart 
chew on them. Read that passi- those passages from Luke chapter 15 over and over again this week and say, God, give me your heart for the lost. And uh, I promise you that's a prayer he wants to answer for all of us. And so thank you guys for being here today. Just want to remind you, if you're a guest, uh, stop by the table in the back. We've got a gift for you. Also, for those of you that um, are new to our church, uh, we've got a calendar back there, and uh, we've got a new-to-church social coming up, and that is on that calendar. Uh, Some information cards out there for you as well, and so I encourage you to stop out there. Uh, One last announcement. Uh, Pastor John and Heather will be moving on May the 26th. That's the day of the moving van, May the 26th. And so if you are available on that day to help load or to help do some things at that house, uh, would you reach out to him specifically and let him know? He's going to know the schedule. He's going to know what time everyone needs to be there, how much help needs to be there. And so May the 26th, circle that on your calendar. And uh, if you can help in any way, we would sure appreciate that. So our hosts are going to come, dismiss you row by row, and uh, in a city building, again, we ask when you can't social distance, please choose to wear a mask. God bless you as you go. We'll see you next week.